in this atmosphere, we're going to get right into the teaching of the Word and let the Word of God have its way with us. We're in a teaching series called Made for More. Made for More. We are teaching through the book of Ephesians, and we're using a, an outline that was put together by, by Todd Wilson and Exponential Ministries, and we're so grateful for the outline that they put together and the great uh, heart that they have to help churches embrace the mission of making disciples who make disciples. And so uh, th this, this whole teaching series is about embracing that the church was made for more that there is a more that we have not yet tapped into, embracing that we as individuals, followers of Christ, were made for more. And that there is a more destiny, there is a more purpose that God has put upon our lives. And so we've been working through this week by week. If you've missed any of the first four chapters of Ephesians, you can go to our podcast or our website and get caught up on those. But today we're diving into Ephesians chapter 5. And part 5 is made to go more, made to go more. Last week, we talked about that we have an internal responsibility, and that means that, that we have a responsibility to minister within the church internally, but we also have an external responsibility. We have a responsibility to minister outside of the church. And today, we're going to focus on that responsibility to minister outside the church as we talk about made to go more. I hope that you've got the sermon notes. You can find them attached to this video on our website. You can find them attached to the audio on the website if you're listening to the audio. Or you can use our Kauai Bible Church app and you can get the sermon notes that way as well. But you can see in our notes that our big picture point today is this. Our primary mission fields are outside the walls of the church. There is a mission field for us, and we will not find it until we start living out our faith outside the walls of the church. The, the big shift that we're going to encourage you today is, is the shift from come and see to go and be. From come and see to go and be. And what does that mean? Well, for decades here in America, the church has functioned on the come and see model. Which basically means we're going to have church services and we want people to come and see it. And, and if they come and see it, then maybe they'll stick around long enough to hear the gospel. And, and then they'll start getting plugged into our church. And then they'll, they'll, they'll start getting discipled and, and their lives will change. But we just keep putting on church services. We just keep putting on events. And, and we just invite people to come and see. Well, we want to shift to go and be which means we go outside the church and we be the masterpiece God intended us to be. And as we live out our faith publicly, we're going to have the opportunity to share the gospel with people and lead them to Christ. And then we bring them to church because they've already come to Christ. We bring them to church uh, so that they can be a part of the discipleship community and, and grow as disciples. But this is a difficult shift. This is a really challenging shift. Why do we need to make this shift? Well, first off, because in, in American culture, come and see doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work anymore. There were decades in our lifetime where the come and see model worked for church. 
Church was the quote-unquote home team in America. Church was looked upon favorably, and, and most people were willing to go to church or considered it important to go to church. And so as long as we just kept having church, more people would come and, and more people would get saved. But that doesn't work anymore. The church is no longer the home team. The church is no longer looked at favorably in American culture. People, Most people won't just go to church just because. So the come and see model doesn't work anymore. The other problem with the come and see model is it's created a culture of Christianity where we only have to be Christians on Sunday. And that as long as we show up to church on Sunday and we look the part and we look good, then, then we're doing our part and we're fulfilling our responsibility. And that's just not enough anymore. That is not who Jesus called us to be. And so we've got to make this shift. And I understand that this is a tremendously challenging shift to make. Because for most of us, we've been living under this come and see model for our whole lives, for decades, for our whole experience as followers of Christ. And that means that we're going to have to take on this challenge to learn a whole new paradigm and a whole new way of going about it. But if we will take on this challenge, then we can discover the mission fields that God has for us outside the walls of the church. And we can go and be everyday missionaries where we live, work, and play. And we can win people to Jesus. And then we can bring them to church where they can become a part of the discipleship community. Not because we're hoping they get saved at church, but because we led them to the Lord already. And now we want them to grow in their relationship in Christ. So let's get into our scriptures today, and we'll see how Ephesians 5 leads us through this challenge of becoming everyday missionaries. So we're in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 6. It says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. For because of these things. Because of what things? Well, if you look previously in verses 3 through 5, Paul is talking about immorality, impurity, greed, filthy talk, and, and raunchy joking, sexual sin, covetousness, idolatry. Because of these things, because of all of these sins that, that Paul was talking about, he says, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. And this is an important command. This is an important challenge that we take on. Do not be partakers with them. Listen, if we're going to be everyday missionaries, we cannot be partakers with the sons of disobedience. We cannot be partakers with those who are living sinful lifestyles. So you can see in your notes, it says, you cannot be a witness if you are partaking in sin. If you're partaking in sin with people, what witness do you have? What gospel can you share? Right? You can maybe tell somebody you're a Christian and try to tell them about Jesus, but they're going to be like, wait a minute. You were getting drunk with us last Friday night. What are you talking about? Or they're going to be like, wait a minute. I know you're sleeping with so-and-so. What, what are you trying to tell me about right now? If we look just like everybody else, 
We have no witness. There has to be something that sets us apart. And, and so Paul says, do not be partakers with them. When you choose to partake with them, then you no longer have a testimony to share with them. So what do we have to do? We have to call sin what it is. Call sin what it is. Right? Don't justify sin. Don't use excuses. I love how the New Living Translation translates verse 6. It says this, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Don't try to come up with other explanations for the sins, right? Well, it's, it's just a weakness. It's just something that I do. It's just, you know what, God's okay with it. And you know what, don't be so legalistic. It's not that big of a deal. And we come up with all of these excuses. Call sin what it is. Just in these verses that we're reading today, we read that, that sin is disobedience. We read that sin is the unfruitful works of darkness. We read that sin is evil. Right? We read that sin disqualifies us from the kingdom of God. Call sin what it is. Let's not rationalize it or justify it or make excuses for it. Call it what it is. But now this is important. When we talk about not partaking in sin, it's important that we avoid the behavior, not the people. Avoid the behavior, not the people. We'll see later on in, in verse 11 where Paul says, have nothing to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness. He's saying, have nothing to do with the behavior. But we can't avoid the people because the only way that we're going to be everyday missionaries is if we're around people that need Jesus. If we're around people that have not received the gospel. So uh, a lot of times we can take these verses too far and we use it as isolationism. I'm just going to isolate myself from the world. I'm going to stay away from sinners. No, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus was constantly challenged by overly religious people about why he spent so much time hanging out with sinners. But just because he hung out with the sinners didn't mean that he was doing what the sinners did. So we have got to be around people that don't know Jesus. We can't avoid them. We have to invest our lives into them. We've got to get around them, and, and, and we've got to do something different around them. For me personally, I have actually just recently applied to become a police chaplain for the Kauai Police Department. And I'm praying for favor that my application gets accepted and I'm able to, 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 to enter into this position. But, but the, one of the primary reasons why I want this position, I mean, one is because I have a heart for police officers and I want to minister to police officers and I have a heart for hurting people and I want to minister to people in crisis. But also because as a pastor who lives in a parsonage, I live at the church, and I work at the church, and I'm around the church all the time. And so it's really hard for me to, to find places where I can be around non-Christians, where I can be around people that don't know Jesus and build relationships with them. And so I am really excited about an opportunity to purposely insert myself into people's lives and to build relationship with them so that I can be an everyday missionary 
Avoid the behavior, not the people. Come on, let's get back into this. Verses 8 through 10 says this. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. I want to talk to you about being children of light. You'll notice as as you read this, and this is the New American Standard Bible, all three times that the word light appears in verses 8 and 9, it's capitalized. That means that the, the translators of the New American Standard Bible interpreted this, that light was referring to God, and they capitalized it because they're referring to it as a name of God. And so we are to be children of light. We were formerly darkness, but now we are children of light. And it says to walk as children of light. And and what that means to me is that we are carriers of the Spirit of God. That the light of the Lord is inside of us. The Spirit of God has been deposited inside of us. And everywhere that we go, we carry this light with us. And everywhere that we go, we have the power and the potential to change the atmosphere. We have the power and the potential to bring the kingdom of God and to bring the goodness of the kingdom of God into any situation that we enter into. One of the cliches of Christianity that I hate is I hate the cliche that when you're talking to somebody who's not a Christian and you say something like, well, I'm just like you, I've just been forgiven. Well, no, we're not just like everybody else. We are carrying the light of God. We are carrying the Spirit of God. We are carrying the presence of God with us everywhere that we go. And if we're just like everybody else, then what power do we have to be missionaries and to change the environment? But we are children of lights. We have the Spirit of God, the God of the universe inside of us. And we're able to bring that light with us everywhere that we go. And so Paul says, walk as children of light. And then verse 9 is kind of parenthetically added in. Verse 8 and verse 10 are actually the continuing sentence where it says, walk as children of light, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And, and that phrase, trying to learn, is, is in the original Greek means to put to the test to prove what is true. And and so every day as we're walking as children of light, we are putting to the test what is pleasing to God. We are learning what is pleasing to Him. We are learning how He has called us to live. And we are proving what is the will of God. And then this parenthetical addition in verse 9, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. The fruit of the light is synonymous with the fruit of the Spirit. We are to carry the fruit of the Spirit with us everywhere we go and display the fruit of the Spirit in all of our relationships. Let's continue on. Verse 11, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. And so as we bring light with us wherever we go, we are going to expose the things that are in darkness. Now let me talk to you about exposing sin to the lights. 
Because I have this fear that, you know, uh, if people are going to take on the mission, that they're supposed to walk around exposing people and, and shaming people and, and, and uh, uh, calling people out publicly. And that is not what this is teaching us to do. If you have any questions, skip back to verse 2 of Ephesians chapter 5 where it says, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ Jesus who offered himself as a sacrifice to us, a pleasing aroma to God. We're supposed to live lives filled with love, loving people the way that Christ loved people, loving sinners the way that Christ loved sinners, and, and that is not to publicly shame them or expose them or condemn them. When it says expose them, the them is not referring to people. The them is referring to the unfruitful deeds of darkness. So we're not supposed to expose people. We're exposed to expose people's sin behavior to themselves. We're supposed to bring light on it so that they will see the sinfulness of their behavior and that they will have a desire to change. And so how do we expose this sin to the light? First off, with the Holy Spirit within us. Simply the fact that we are carrying the Holy Spirit within us and we get around people, that Holy Spirit is spilling off of us. It's pouring out of us. Jesus said it would be like rivers of living water flowing out of us. And so if we just get around people and just let the Holy Spirit flow out of us, the Holy Spirit will expose their sin and bring conviction to their hearts. And so our responsibility is to make sure that we're filled up full with the Holy Spirit every day. Before we leave our house, before we go out into public, before we uh, get into these relationships with, un with unsaved people, we're going to expose it with the Holy Spirit within us. Second thing is, we're going to expose it with the contrast in our lifestyles. If the way that you live is drastically different than the way that they live, they're going to see that. And they're going to see in you, wow, you treat people different. Wow, your relationship with your spouse is totally different than my relationship with my spouse. You know, the, the, you don't struggle with the things that, that I struggle with. And they're going to see the contrast, the difference between light and dark. And the contrast, because you are living as children of light, they're going to see that. And they're going to be drawn to that, and they're going to ask you, hey, how do you deal with this? Hey, why is your life different here? And the third way that we can expose sin to the light is with the message. With the message, by sharing the gospel message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, by speaking the word of God. Well, you know what? This is what the word of God says about your situation. This is what the Word of God says about what's going on in your life right now. What about the message of your testimony? You can share your testimony and how Jesus saved you from your sins and how you turned your lifestyle around. We can use the message of the gospel, the message of the Word of God, the message of our testimony to expose the sin to the light. But it's our responsibility as children of light to expose their sin to them so that the spirit of conviction, not condemnation, but conviction, can come upon them. And if they are convicted of their sins, they'll repent of their sins, and they'll turn to Jesus. Let's continue. Verse 14. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Well, when Paul writes this, for this reason, it says, 
A lot of times when the writers of the New Testament write, it says they then quote the Old Testament. But this is not a direct quote from the Old Testament. Now, this could be a paraphrase of Isaiah chapter 60, not an exact quote, but a paraphrase. Or this could be a a current contemporary to Paul's day worship song. And he is quoting a worship song that, that most followers of Christ would know. We don't know exactly, but, but he declares this as something that they're going to recognize as a common saying, as a common writing. Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He's calling out, wake up. Wake up. Now, this idea could be applied both to Christians and to non-believers. This, de- this declaration to wake up could be a warning to the Christian. It's time to wake up. You've grown numb to sin. You've been playing this religious Christian game where you think you're okay going to church on Sunday and playing the part, but then living as a sinner all week long. It doesn't work that way. It's time to wake up. Or this could be viewed as the gospel to an unbeliever. That the unbeliever needs to wake up and arise from the dead so that Christ can shine upon them. And we're going to finish our passage here, verses 15 through 17. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. And so Paul is saying, listen, we have a mission We need to take the gospel to the unbeliever. We need to let our light shine in the darkness. We need to expose the sins of darkness. We have a great work and a great calling to be everyday missionaries where we live, work, and play. And he says, therefore, be careful how you walk. What he's saying is pay attention to how you live. Pay attention to every opportunity you have to share the gospel. Pay attention to the relationships that you have with unsaved people. Pay attention to how you are displaying the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Pay attention to the choices that you are making. Are the choices you're making putting you in the will of God, or are they outside of the will of God? Be careful how you walk. And and this gets me thinking about hiking. Here on Kauai, we have amazing places to hike. Just some of the most beautiful places in the world, but we also have some pretty dangerous places to hike, where you could be hiking along the edge of cliffs, and and you could be hiking on unstable ground, and there could be steep drop-offs and and rocks, and and we read in the paper several times a year, you'll read about a hiker that, that either had to be rescued or got seriously injured, or worst case scenario, even a hiker that died. Because they were hiking on one of these trails and they weren't paying close enough attention to how they were walking and they slipped off the trail and got seriously injured. So when you're hiking on these scary trails, you want to be vigilant and alert. You want to pay attention to where you're putting your feet and and what the ground is like and how you're walking. And that is the same picture I get here when Paul tells us to be careful how you walk. We need to be vigilant and pay attention to how we're living out our lives in front of unsaved people, how we're being everyday missionaries where we live, work, and play. We got to be vigilant and be careful because we don't want to slip and fall and somehow disqualify the gospel that God has called us to preach. 
right? Paul said, I buffet my body. He says, I discipline my body strictly like an athlete so that I would not disqualify the message that I have preached. Be careful how you walk. So let's take this. We've talked about this whole passage here theoretically. Now let's talk about putting it into everyday practice so that we can become everyday missionaries. What is it going to take for us to shift from come and see to go and be? I said at the beginning, this is going to be a difficult shift because come and see is so ingrained to who we are as Christians and how we've lived our life in church. It's going to be a challenge to, to shift, to go and be. Well, I've given you just some points here in your notes, some practical things we can do to make this shift. The first one is deal with your sin. And in parentheses, I put repent. Repent of your sin. Listen, if you're listening to this and you've been playing the Christian game, You've been going to church and you've been looking good at church and, 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 and you've got all the religious phrases figured out and you know how to smile and say praise the Lord and, and how to say amen and tell people you're blessed and, and you do all of that. But then you go out the other six days of the week and you're living in sin. Maybe it's secret sin. Maybe it's open sin. And, and you've been making the excuses and the justifications and you've come to the place where you just don't take sin seriously anymore. I believe that this is a divine moment for the Holy Spirit to work in your heart, to bring conviction into your heart that it's time to take sin seriously again. Man, we've been reading the book of Joshua in our rooted Bible reading, and, 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 and there's a point where after they have completely uh, subdued the promised land, that the two and a half tribes of Israel that were given their allotment on the other side of the Jordan River, they, they were released to go back to, to occupy their cities. And on their way back, they built an altar, a replica of the same altar that was in the temple. They built it next to the Jordan River. And to offer burnt offerings on any altar other than the one that was in the temple was breaking the Old Testament law. It was a blasphemous sin, and it was going to bring the curse of God upon the nation of Israel. And, and the people, when they heard that the two and a half tribes had built this altar, they rallied up their armies. They said, men of war, put your armor on. Get your weapons ready. We're going to go and cleanse the nation of these two and a half tribes. They were willing to go to civil war. They were willing to kill their own kinsmen because that's how seriously they took sin. Now, praise God, they talked it out first before they went to war, and they realized that it was not a sin. But that's how seriously they took their sin. This is a divine moment where it's time to take our sin seriously again. Stop making excuses for it. Call it what it is. Repent of what you need to repent of and deal with it so that you actually have a testimony when you go outside the walls of the church. Deal with your sin. Number two, cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because Pastor Danae just preached this a few weeks ago. And so if you want to uh, study up on cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in your life, go back to our podcast from September 13th and listen to Pastor Danae's message on it. And, and you can cultivate that fruit so that everywhere you go, you're displaying the fruit of the Spirit publicly. Number three, develop a sense of urgency. 
Right? We need to have a sense of urgency. We need to have that realization that people are dying in their sins and they're going to hell. And that needs to break our hearts. And, and so part of the problem is that sin hasn't broken our hearts. And so when we see other people sinning, it doesn't break our hearts either. We need to develop a sense of urgency that there would be a brokenheartedness in us when we see people sinning that we would recognize that, that there is an urgency, there is a priority to share the gospel with them, to give them an opportunity to turn from their sins and to receive forgiveness. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon uh, spoke so many decades ago. He said, The man who is asleep does not care what becomes of his neighbors. How can he while he's asleep? Some Christians do not care whether souls are saved or damned. It is enough for them if they are comfortable. If they can attend a respectable place of worship and go with others to heaven, they are indifferent about everything else. Well, that is a strong indictment from Charles Spurgeon from, from the 1800s. That we have fallen asleep as Christians and we are indifferent to the fact that people are going to hell. Can we repent of our indifference? Can we get back to the place where sin breaks our hearts so that we would develop this sense of urgency when we see the unsaved? Number four, learn how to share the gospel. Learn how to share the gospel. If we've been so indoctrinated in the come and see paradigm, then we don't even know how to share the gospel with somebody one-on-one. All we know how to do is invite them to church, and then hopefully they'll hear the gospel at church. Learn how to share the gospel. Right? Come talk to me. I'll teach you some ways to share the gospel. Practice it. Learn it. Learn the key points that you have to share. Memorize the key points that you have to share so that in any given situation, you're ready to share the gospel. Luis Palau is an evangelist who does uh, crusades all around the world. And wherever he does these crusades, what he does is they, his team goes ahead of time and trains people to share the gospel so that then when the crusade happens, they've got this whole team of local people that can share the gospel. And Luis Palau shares the story that in Paraguay, when they were doing one of these trainings for people to share the gospel, there was a man at the training named Jose. And Jose was completely illiterate. He couldn't read. He couldn't write. But he was so passionate about being able to share the gospel with people that he went to these trainings and he just memorized everything that the teacher said. Since he couldn't read the notes or follow the notes, he just memorized everything the teacher said. And so when the, the, the time came for all of these trained workers to be at the, the gospel center, the, the, the training director said to the receptionist, he said, listen, if somebody comes in and they look like a professional, they look really well educated, don't send them to Jose. And so as, as the first day came and people were coming in and they were assigning people to gospel counselors, sure enough, this really well-dressed professional man came in and there were no other gospel counselors available. And before the receptionist could stop him, wouldn't you know it, that Jose went up and introduced himself to this man and then and went and sat down with him and shared the gospel with him. And the man left and the next day, the man came back with two of his friends. And so the training director found him and said, Hey, listen, uh, I apologize that Jose shared with you yesterday. Let me get another counselor. And this man said, Absolutely not. 
I want to talk to Jose and nobody else. Turned out this man was a doctor. The two people he brought back with him were also doctors. And all three of them sat down with Jose and gave their lives to Christ because Jose shared the gospel with them. Listen, if Jose, who is completely illiterate, can't read or write, can learn how to share the gospel, and and God could use him to win even educated doctors to the Lord, then all of us can learn to share the gospel. We have no excuse. Number five, identify your circle of influence. Where do you have the most relationships with unsaved people? Where do you have the most influence with unsaved people? Where are you most able to engage them? Identify your circle of influence and then make the most of every opportunity. As Paul said, every chance that God gives you to say the name of Jesus, every chance that God gives you to minister to somebody, to pray for somebody, to share the gospel with somebody, to ask someone if they're ready to receive Jesus, make the most of every opportunity. Don't let the moments pass. And then the final step is bring the harvest to church. So instead of come and see, instead of inviting somebody to church because you hope they might hear the gospel, instead, bring them to church because you've already harvested them. And now they're ready to connect in community with the gospel. Let me invite the worship team to come back up today as we wrap up. Come on, I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that you would make the shift from come and see to go and be. As difficult as it is, as much as it might turn the norm upside down in your life, as much as it might shake up what you've always done as a Christian or how you've always lived as a Christian, listen, you might end up, because of this, you might end up going to work this week and sharing the gospel with somebody you've worked with for 15 years. And for 15 years, they've never known you were a Christian. But now is the time. Now is the time. I want to pray for you that you would make this shift. I want to pray for those that need to deal with their sin. I want to pray for those that need to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. I want to pray for those who have grown numb to sin and you need to develop a sense of urgency that sin needs to break your heart again. I want to pray for those that are ready to make the most of every opportunity. Let me pray for you today. God, would you do... In a moment right now, more than what my words could do, Father, that, Lord, it wouldn't be my words that motivate people to live as everyday missionaries. It would be your spirits engaging people's hearts. It would be your spirit waking up people's spirits. Oh, that, Lord, I pray right now people would wake up to the urgency of the gospel. People would wake up to the urgency of the times that we are living in evil days where evil is called good and good is called evil. Oh, and this urgency would reawaken in us. Oh, that we would look on people with the eyes of Christ and our hearts would break for them and we would long for them and we would have an urgency to pray for them and to pray with them and to share the gospel with them. Come on, God, I pray right now you would send your spirit to convict us of sin. Oh, that we would begin to take sin seriously in our lives. And we would recognize that every sin, God, is not something to be justified away, but every sin 
could potentially steal away our witness. Every sin could potentially steal away the gospel message from our lives. And so we will deal with it ruthlessly. God, we will take care of the sin in our lives. We will repent of it. We will turn to you. We will receive your grace. And by your grace, we will live strong in Christ Jesus. Come on, God, bring out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Lord, let every seed that's been planted in our hearts be cultivated, that it begins to produce new behavior and new lifestyles and new ways of living, that, Lord, we would walk as children of light and we would bring that light, we would bring the kingdom of God, we would bring that power with us everywhere that we go and we would live out your goodness and your faithfulness and your gentleness and your self-control and all the fruits of the Spirit. We would live it out in such a way that your light would shine in the darkness, exposing the sin of people's lives. Come on, Lord, let us dedicate ourselves to learning how to share the gospel. God, would you teach us? Would you implant it in us? Lord, would you open our eyes to see every opportunity we have to be an everyday missionary? Oh, Father, would you cause us to be careful, to be vigilant about how we walk and how we live, that we would not let an opportunity pass? Oh, would you do this in us, Lord? God, I pray Father, that you would work a great transformation in our lives as we shift from come and see to go and be. Send us out this day, Lord, as your missionaries, your ambassadors where we live, work, and play. We give you all the glory for this. In Jesus' name, amen.